things cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit, whoa. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit, whoa. Welcome to episode 34 of The Hopeless Show. I'm your co-host, Rohit Thawani, and this is my co-host, Aaron Wolf. How you doing, Aaron? Yo, dude, it is so uh, great to be here today. But you, know what I, you know what I love about this show, and everyone who listens, I hope you do too, is we're all doing something together. We're all doing something together. There's not that much to do right now. And we're doing something together. You, me, like we're all together in, in this uh, in this hopelessness. Speaking of, of great things, it's Hanukkah. Happy and Hanukkah, man. Thanks, dude. I couldn't feel less festive about it. Like, like I, I mean, feel you are conf- wearing blue. I'm wearing blue purposely because it's the only thing that makes me feel connected to it right now. It's like. This is like anti Hanukkah. It's like the, it's like if Hanukkah fell in the woods and nobody was there to acknowledge it. And this is how this is how sad our Hanukkah state is. Is I went to CVS, Rite Aid, and Ralph's three stores to try to get a menorah for something that I was doing. I actually have menorahs, but for a special thing. Actually, something that you can see on YouTube when this is out. You can go to HWP TV and see a little little video we made. Uh, but I went, none of them had a menorah. Nobody. No store oh. had a menorah in L.A., which is like a place where menorahs should be had. So no one's feeling very festive about Hanukkah. That's why I made a little video about it, because you need to we need to bring some festive. Because, man, it feels like on the yeah. eighth day, like on, oil lasted for eight days. It was supposed to only last for one. This year it feels like we never got oil. Yeah, this feels more like a nonica. You know, like, sorry, that was terrible. No, that was oh. great. My whole ramble was worth it for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making it worth it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I know you have big news from the quarantine about someone we both love. Yeah, this is this this individual fits into the rare category of politicians I don't hate. Um, and um, I think. You know, both Aaron and I, um, you know, we've taken a liking to Mr. Andrew Yang, um, who was briefly a presidential candidate this past year, um, a primary candidate, rather. Sorry. Um, Well, good news, Aaron. Um, There's a lot of strong indicators that people believe Andrew Yang is going to run for the mayor of New York City. How do you feel about that? Fantastic. I mean, I don't think de Blasio is necessarily... uh the man for the job. <laughs> he's, he's like you. He's like been one guy that's brought brought both sides of the aisle together just with mutual hatred of him. So it's kind of great yeah. for people to meet in the middle. <laughs> and he was also a presidential candidate for about four minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, he was presidential candidate. De Blasio was presidential candidate long enough for me to eat a bowl of soup. And then, and then he he was so bad. Like he made, I mean, New York mayors in general were bad in the debates, but like he made Bloomberg look good. 
he was that hard bad. job. <laughs> yeah, hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I think your soup had a better um, sort of uh, uh, had more potential as a, as a primary candidate than Bill De Blasio did. But what's interesting about Andrew Yang is this is um, you know a lot of people associate him you know in, incorrectly as a tech billionaire from Silicon Valley from Silicon Valley. He was actually like next. I think he was the poorest candidate that was on stage um, yeah. during the primaries earlier this year. And he was far from a billionaire. He's like barely a millionaire. He's also actually lived in New York for like 30 years in Hell's Kitchen. So the dude is New York through and through. Um, and I think it's it's really, really exciting um, to see such a progressive candidate, someone with like just new ideas that can then, you know, hold the biggest mayorship you know, in the country potentially. So it's exciting for, for me. I'm sure it's exciting for you. Yeah, um, dude. Cause, uh, have I ever told you he follows me on Twitter? I don't think I have. Yeah. I meant to ask you about that. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> That's like my humblest of like my humble brag that I do a lot. As, as you should, as you should, would you say, who would you say is your uh, biggest sort of humble brag of a Twitter follow? Um, Andrew Yang. Because okay. there's other, there's like actors and stuff, but he's like the one that really is making, I think, a difference with his rhetoric that he preaches. And now he he will be in some capacity, he's going to be in in politics and either by being mayor, maybe being something in the Biden administration. So he's definitely my favorite. Do you have one that you humble brag about? Uh, I have one, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I've dropped this one a lot too, but. Uh... I'm one of like the 3000 or so people that Chrissy Teigen follows. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just, uh, you know, actually it was about almost 10 years ago. No, I'd say maybe eight years ago. Um, I was at some event, like a small event with work and, uh, you know, she was like kind of like the featured guest there. There's only like 20 people there. And this was like kind of before she like blew up or, you know, whatever. But we just kind of like we hung out and um, took a bunch of pictures together and we just followed each other. Well, actually, she followed me first because I was. I thought you were going to say this was like this was before she blew John Lennon, John Legend. Oops. No, she I was mean, with John maybe, Legend at the time. We should probably. Yeah, that. <laughs> she was definitely she was definitely with 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 Mr. Legend. But she's she followed me because I was saying so much funny stuff. And she's like, oh, my God, you're hilarious. What's your Twitter handle? And then um, she then put, pulls it up on her phone. She's like, wait, you're not even following me. I'm like. Uh, I guess I'll follow you now. Um, and then, you know, we've kind of like, you know, DM'd a couple times about Animal Crossing and stuff recently through the years. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's, yeah, she's, she's the, my only claim to Twitter fame. That's uh, a good one. I mean, she uh, could be mayor too. So like, that'd be a good mayor off. Chrissy Teigen versus <laughs> Andrew Yang for mayor of New York. And Chrissy Dude, Teigen could, like, doesn't even a ticket there. somehow. Oh, like, oh, a mayoral you know. ticket. There's like a vice mayor. Oh my God. If she was like his chief of staff. Um, that would be yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. And still hosts like lip sync battle. So, Oh yeah. Which is great. You know, good, good TV. So there's one other thing from a new, the news from the quarantine that I just got to talk about. Pretty important. Talk. So there's a big poker game coming up and I have said, you know, I've dabbled in poker a little, like play some friendly games. One, one, a few, one a bit. And, uh, so I said that I will be in this game, uh, $500 game, if someone sponsors me. And then we split the winnings that I make. Now, the chances of me winning are not that, you know, who knows. But someone named Cameron has offered to do it. 
So like, so I think, I mean, unless it doesn't, it all falls through. I could be being sponsored to play in this poker game. And I'm going to ask you, cause I have very little faith in myself now. Like with all the pressure, I feel like I'm totally going to screw up. I'm going to be so nervous, but can you give a prediction of one, if you think the game will happen and two, how I will do, will I make well, first, money in this? Is it an online game or, or like a distance in-person game online? Like, but everyone knows each other or like, okay. Once. I think, I think there's no reason for it to not happen. Secondly, I think this makes you my first professional athlete friend. Um, so I mean, personally, that's a big deal for me. Um, and because of that, um, I think that, um, you know, I can, um, really feel like my first pro athlete friend is going to be a success. Um, I just, I just have a good vibe. And I think for some reason you and gambling, you've kind of owned gambling over the past few years that I've known you. Um, yeah. You seem to be really, really good at it. So I see no reason why that should stop here. I think the only time I've ever truly crushed you um, in an epic fashion in any sort of um, gambling thing that's non-fantasy was when I won um, like like all the WWE, like oh, yeah. Rumble. You won like, every one. Every single one. <laughs> and I didn't, I, and I just had learned about Roman Reigns that day. Um, this is a few years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, so... I think I honestly think is there like a second place, third place prize, or is there? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like depending on how many people are there, it could be like up to ten people get money. Oh, and there might be who knows fifty, seventy-five people in it. So it's you know it's a long battle, it's a long battle, and uh, I think the person who's sponsoring me also is doing it out of funny because he thinks that he thinks I'm funny when I play. Cause I like just huh. talk shit and like joke around a lot. Um, yeah. So, I, okay. So All right, that's what's so interesting. Too. How are you guys splitting the pot? If he pays 500 for your entry fee, does he get the whole pot? I think it's 50, 50. Okay. Okay. That's one way to hedge. Although I feel that's like really collusion. If you're entering the same tournament, because hypothetically you guys could play together. Yeah. But you're not even necessarily at the same table. For a long time. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Well, honestly, dude, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think if you say 10 people cash in, mm-hmm. um, I predict you finish between five and seven amongst all the entrants. Oh, that's great. Because if, if I finish ninth, I'd be psyched. I'd be like, yes, this is great. Because that's probably thousand bucks. So 500 and 500. So he gets his money back and I just get 500 bucks. I'm feeling good about you, dude. I'm feeling good about you. I'm not going to put any money up for you, but I'm just going to send you my positive uh, <laughs> you're vibe. Not, you're not sponsoring me. You're I'm not going to put my money where my mouth is in <laughs> any way. Um, well, this so, will be a fun. This will be a fun. We'll see what. I mean, I'm really curious if it even happens. So we'll see. Um, and I think that leads us directly to topic one, which is way less fun. But yes, it is quite less fun. And, deep. you know, I hope you do keep us posted about that topic. And what I'm going to do is something I think I've been doing fairly often recently is just take this from a really warm, positive start and just make our first topic that we're going to talk about just absolutely dark. Yep. Um, and uh, and I think that there's two concerning things that are t- that are loosely kind of related. Um, 
And the first thing I want to sort of bring up is um, there was a a football coach in Florida, a youth football coach. And now, Aaron, I don't know if you have that our sheet in front of you. If you want to hit that link. Um, Okay. I don't know if you've seen the video yet. But while you hit play on that, Mm -hmm. I'll describe it to the viewers. Now, what it is, we have, you know, Pop Warner football, um, which is, you know, youth football. So imagine this, you know, kind of bigger coach, kind of like kids that are. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. So what's bad? Yeah. So what happened was. This is Wait, I'm going to so just, keep, inter- just I'm gonna keep interrupting is, you. I'm just going to keep interrupting you. It's a you. grown adult oh! that, that literally took his full closed fist and punched what appears to be a six to seven year old child wearing a football helmet in the head twice, knocking the kid down both times. Full force, big punch. And it, it, for one, that oh! was just one of the most insane things I've seen. Um, it is absolute 100% child abuse. Oh! The guy, the guy was arrested. He's been banned from the sport of football. And Aaron, I would like to read you um, his statement that he made. And yeah. um, at the end of the day, I'm a man, and I'm not going to make excuses for what I did. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disciplined him in public. I should have waited until he got back for doing what he did. Okay, that was his apology. He didn't apologize for hitting the kid. He apologized for doing it in public. Okay? And the next crazy part is the 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 child's mother. We don't know her relation to the man, but she's not even going to press charges. Meanwhile, LeBron James comments, because this video is going around. He's like, ain't no way. Couldn't be my kid. James wrote on Instagram. Hell, if I was there, it's not even my kid. We're going to have more than words for sure. And that was wild. So I want you to hold your, hold your, actually, Let's get your quick take on it because I have a follow-up to that. I think my quick take before we keep going is every time that I just interrupted with an awe or like a reaction, those were my actual reactions to watching the tape. So everything you just heard is exactly what I felt. Like it's that. So keep going. All that was was how I felt. It's brutal to see this small child just be absolutely punched in the head by this dude. It's, I've never seen something like that in camera. Oh my, like the second time the kid just is knocked down on the ground and he keeps getting up. Um, I'll, I'll get to the apology part later. Cause you know, yeah. Have, so, yeah, so which then going. gets me to the next thing is, is so FKA twigs, um, who is, a, you know, an incredible artist, musician. Um, you know, we've worked with her Brit. with Apple. Um, a Brit. She's a Brit. She's a Brit. She used to date or is still dating. I think Michael Fassbender. Um, yeah, the, yeah, that, that, that's a that's a hideous couple. Um, but um, uh, she's actually suing Shia LaBeouf, and she's suing him for battery. Um, and while she said that she's not suing him to get money, she's suing it for awareness, and she's suing it because the, he, she wants any future woman to know what's happening, what he does, and what she said that he's done is that. Um, she claims that Shia once slammed her head against a car and attempted to strangle her. She claims that they were all, they were driving. He pulled a pistol out and claimed he just killed stray dogs before because he wanted to know what it felt like to take a life so we can get into the mindset of a killer, I guess for a role maybe. Um, she would, he was so wildly jealous. He would count the number of kisses she gave him in any day and he would berate her if she fell short of the target. She was saying he was so paranoid he'd sleep with guns because he was afraid gang members were coming after him. And he also gave her an STD. Um, now Shia... <laughs> after hearing all this this was his response 
and just bear in mind what we just heard from the coach, right? Um, he says, although many of these allegations are not true, I'm not in the position to defend any of my actions. I owe these women the opportunity to air their statements publicly and accept accountability for those things I have done. As someone in recovery, I have to face, face almost daily reminders of things I did say and do when I was drinking. He continues, it has always been for me, easy for me to accept responsibility when my behavior reflects poorly on myself, but it's much harder to acknowledge that I may have caused great pain to others. I can't rewrite history. I can only accept it and work to be better in the future. I write this as a sober member of a 12-step program and therapy for many of my failings. I'm not cured by PTSD and alcoholism, but I commit to doing whatever I can to recover and forever be sorry to the people I may have harmed along the way. Now that sounds more sincere. It still has a bit of PR in it, but in the end, I still think he blamed alcohol more than he blamed himself. He's like, oh, I didn't remember and all of that. So what I, I wanted to tie this together, Aaron, as two men exhibiting different kinds of abusive behavior. One is just apologizing for doing it in public. The other is apologizing for the alcohol in a way. What do you, um, what do you think? What are your, what's your thoughts? Well, in general, well, first the coach, the coach is a dick. I mean, what a punk punk. Like I would personally love to, you know, be like LeBron James. I would like him to be with me so that he could take the first few swings. And then I'd love to take a few swings after the guy was down and also hurt him. But I don't want to be the first because that guy yep. looks big. Like I don't. He would beat both of us up really easy. Yeah, like quick. <laughs> so I want, I'd love to, because that guy just seems like a bad, bad guy. Um, yeah. And those video, that video is really, really disgusting. And then his comments after are even almost more disgusting because he doesn't yeah. feel any, any shame. So that's part one. That guy's just a disgust. And I'm down to like, you know, swing at him after LeBron takes him down. Then... The Shia LaBeouf part is a little tougher. I think there's is a little more um, like addiction is a real thing, right? Right. A 12-step program is a real thing. I've had friends and colleagues who've gone through that, all that stuff. And part of the steps is doing what Shia LaBeouf did. Uh, and... When you're being honest, I believe, in those programs, you're supposed to be totally honest. So, I mean, he didn't say he didn't do it. He didn't, he was just, so, and Shia LaBeouf has also been, like, really nutty for a while. I, I like to think of Shia LaBeouf as in the movie Holes, and, like, then he stopped, because uh, Holes was cool. Uh, so, yeah, he, I just think he's obviously working through a lot, and my guess is that's the that's what he came up with. Um, I, I'm not going to blame him not remembering when he's in a program, which I didn't know. Um, I'm not going to blame his response because he very well might not remember stuff. I mean, if, he, if he's right. actually in a program, like you, it's hard to, and he's taking responsibility. He's saying, I'm glad they're airing it. I don't remember stuff. He's in an alcohol program. He probably doesn't remember a lot of things because he was, he's off, he's, if you're in a program, you're probably a severe alcoholic um, or whatever other drugs he did. So I think okay. they're really different. I think one is someone not owning any of his anger management problems or any of his issues. And one is someone saying, I'm really flawed and have big problems right now. 
They're all flawed. Shia LaBeouf is actually saying what his flaws are and what he's doing to try to fix them. And he's not discounting that he might have done this stuff. He just doesn't really remember stuff, yeah. which is probably true. Like alcoholics that I've known and drug addicts don't remember shit. And, you know, I think that that's an interesting thing that you brought up. And, you know, maybe I was conflating the two of them most. I think what I was trying to take away is it felt like these were two abusive men that were making excuses, you know, and I think that, you know, maybe, maybe there is a legitimate, you know, if someone is an alcoholic and, and I can say this as someone that has never gone through an addiction like that, you know, and that I, it's not in my necessary, my place to be able to judge or say, Oh, but it just, it just felt like deflects. But I think what you're saying is makes a lot of sense. And it actually does make me feel a little bit better that, you know, it's that maybe he didn't remember, truly didn't remember all this. And, and you're right. He is acknowledging that, that, what might be his truth might not be the truth, you know, in terms of what he remembers and what he's yeah. experienced. So I hope that what he, what Shia does is not just sort of acknowledge, but he makes things better. Cause I'm, I think that's part of the steps also, you know, um, and, and that contrition, you know, and so maybe they are just more separate. I, what I just initially took away was like, these, these are, these are two men just, which are just kind of like, you know, like, that is just this, this sort of toxic, abusive behavior. Sometimes it just gets ignored over and over and over. And yeah, I really don't think that's... I think they're different because also Shia LaBeouf, based on the thing you read, said, or uh, FKA Twigs maybe said it, that there was a lot of paranoia involved in his life. And addiction and paranoia, I believe, go hand in mm -hmm. hand. Uh in especially addiction to drugs and stuff like there's a lot of paranoia around it so it sounds like he was a paranoid addict and i don't know what that feels like but i've seen it and i know it's bad and uh i can only imagine what it's like to be her yeah. having been with him through this and i can only imagine what it's like for him to be coming to terms with all these issues now so uh Cool. I just think they're different. Yeah, I think that you've then you've really then shined a little bit of light. I think that that these are two different experiences, and these are sort of two different situations. And I think you're right. One, Shy is probably taking the better road, and and I hope he just continues to to be better and help you know make things right. And this other dude, fuck that coach. Yeah, and um, I really want so, holes too. Yeah. So I hope he gets through this program quick so that he can make holes too. Because I've been longing for that movie. I've been told to watch the movie many times, and you know maybe I'll give it a I'll, I'll give it a. Uh, Give it a watch once he gets his act together. This section is where we debate each other on a couple topics. And debates are big these days. People are debating, you know, everything, including crazy conspiracy theories and stuff like that. We're not going to quite go there, but we might. Uh, so the first topic is people are pretty mad about Chris Pratt of late because he's pretty right wing. I've actually known this. I guess I won't. I can't say how, but I've known this for a while about him because of a mutual friend who's friends with him, that he's pretty right wing and like a little out there with this stuff. Um, but it's come to the public's attention now. Uh, so his whole thing of being Mr. Everyman is a little bit of an act because he's, uh, Pretty opinionated about a lot of uh, issues that are um, 
Like, I'm pretty sure he checked Trump when he voted. And uh, so people were saying that Jack Black could fill any role that Chris Pratt did and be better at it. And so before I, I have my response. And I don't think we should bring in Chris Pratt's personal views because I think that's what people brought up in this, but I don't think that should matter because I think art and personal life should be separated usually. Uh, even with Mel Gibson, and I'm Jewish, I love Braveheart, love most Mel Gibson movies. I think he's a really talented actor and director. Uh, shit person. Um, so what do you think with this Jack Black versus being able to replace Chris Pratt in every movie and be better? So I think... Um... See, I wasn't, I think I, I, when I saw this trending um, recently, I just kind of like just didn't even get a chance to read it. I was like, Chris Pat was Jack Black. I'm like, I didn't understand what it was. I just didn't even look at it. I'm glad you brought this up for one for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think that Jack Black could replace Chris Pratt. I think the eyebrows are too different. Um, and I think Jack Black <laughs> uses his way too much and his facial expressions, whereas Chris Pratt's much more about his sort of dry humor. And I think Jack Black, you know, I think Chris Pratt also uses his, like, you know, seven and a half out of 10 or seven out of 10 good looks to kind of as part of his role and the character he plays and his self-confidence, but also like, you know, he's still not confident as Thor, you know, when he plays, um, when he's in uh, Gardens of the Galaxy. Um, so like, I think that that is part of Chris Pratt's character, right? Whereas Jack Black is much more of a, of, of, of a true like comedy sort of like butt of the joke, kind of like crazy, like side character kind of guy. I don't, I think with that, I don't think that he could replace him. And one thing I was just sort of just looking up at, as, as you know, you're leading this in is that apparently, um, you know, according to uh, some articles that there's actually no proof of Pratt being a Trump supporter. However, the Twitter algorithm, there's this really interesting article that led people to believe that because um, what was the tweet was going around was that Chris Pratt was not invited or he didn't attend a Joe Biden fundraiser. And therefore, they said, hey, all the other you know, bits, bits of people in Hollywood went there. Why didn't Chris Pratt go? Ends up he wasn't invited. And ends up because he was in London shooting, according to his director. Um, okay, but I, I'm proving it. I know for a fact. So, uh, yeah. Can't say how, can't say why, but I know it's true 100%. Okay, well then, I mean, then that changes it. So, I here's the thing. If, if the dude isn't being racist if he's not being a jerk you know if he's not doing that stuff then i don't care if he is then i do um it's it's i don't know i just to answer your question no i think chris pratt cannot be replaced by jack black and guardians of the galaxy if that's where you're getting to i don't think he can be replaced by jack black and jurassic park um i think that those require a, a, a minimum level of handsomeness um and like male like heartthrob lead that that jack as hilarious as he is does not fit the mold all right well this is why this is called the debate section because i couldn't disagree more uh one i think jack black is gorgeous uh he is a truly handsome man and he has if you remember he has played sort of action role before in different things and he uh he even was was he a superhero or he was in 
he's been in like movies that aren't the ones that we think of as Jack Black movies uh, because he's serious. Like one movie that he did was called Bernie, I believe, which was a real dark, serious movie. And uh, who was it? Was it Richard Linkletter who did it? But it was really good. And he just, he can, his, I'll say this, his range is pretty huge. He did, he was in a romantic comedy where he was a, one of the leading like romantic leads. It was like him and Matthew McConaughey or something like that. Oh no, it was him and Jude Law. It was, he played, it was skinnier Jack Black and Kate Winslet Sorry, were like the article just lovers. And then it was, oh wait, pause. All right, ready? So he was in a movie, The Holiday, where he was a romantic lead, skinnier Jack Black, opposite Kate Winslet, and then Jude Law and Cameron Diaz were the other couple. So and that was, excuse me, that was a big hit. And then uh, made 200 million bucks. And then, um, yeah, he's, so he's done things that are not what you would think. And I also just think he could do it. I think he would be a fascinating Guardians of the Galaxy captain. I think he'd be an amazing uh, Jurassic World. I thought that movie was atrocious. So I think he would be would have been made much more interesting to have him in it than uh, than Chris Pratt, who, I mean, that movie made no sense anyway, but would have been more interesting with him. So I think that he could easily do it, plus he could do Jack Black, and Chris Pratt couldn't do any of the Jack Black, Jack Black stuff. Like Jumanji, Jack Black, School of Rock, Jack Black. None of that would work with Chris Pratt. Or nearly as yeah, well. I don't, I don't think you and I will find a middle ground here. And I think regardless of political party, if you're a jerk, you're a jerk. And I just haven't seen enough public stuff to see that he's done horrible things. He's got his old like, cast oh, no, this isn't, him and all that. But this isn't political. I just think Jack Black could do everything that Chris Pratt's done better. And I don't think Chris Pratt could do... Like Chris Pratt could not do School of Rock, which is a great movie. He couldn't no, do no. it. I think very few people could because Jack Black has an innate musician uh, skill set that's going to take him where there's very few actors that could. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they're just two separate universes and I don't think we're going to meet in the middle on this one. But um, since I don't think we've we've I don't think we've convinced the uh, one of the one to the other side. You know, if, if any of you listeners at home have an opinion on this, let us know. Yeah, please let us know and let us know that it's Jack Black. <laughs> go with your heart go with god um, go with god cool. so then there's one other debate ready for it yes yes so as we know i think we know that the uh i think there's like 20 states or something that are suing the rest of the states because of trump so that they can get uh so that he can win the election that he lost by discounting every like all Americans votes like they're really challenging the democracy if this ever were to get upheld and like win we'd be in a civil war within a couple of days probably uh, it would be a disaster I don't think it'll go anywhere but there's something funny about it, and I'm curious what you think about this so in this lawsuit one in the front page they spelt Louisiana wrong which is just funny I can't spell either but like as lawyers you're supposed to do it and then the second thing that I think is really funny is there was something. Um, this was part of the lawsuit. Texas lawsuit 
asking the Supreme Court to overturn the election, includes a claim that Joe Biden's chances of winning were less than one in a quadrillion. That's in the lawsuit, less than one in a quadrillion. So my question to you is, do you think quadrillion is a number? Quadrillion is 100% a number. It's um, after it goes million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sextillion, septillion, octillion. Um, and I don't know the rest after that. Um, but um, yeah, quadrillion is a thousand trillion. Okay. There's only seven billion people on the earth, uh, about seven and a half, right? And there's only like 370 million Americans. So what he's saying is that there's like, I don't know, like a 10 or a billion. I don't, the math, I'm not going to do the math, but right now this is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, (laughs) And no, I think there's a greater than one in quadrillion, one in one quadrillion chance that Joe Biden wins the election. I'd venture to say a much greater chance, Um, like 999 trillion nine hundred ninety nine billion nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine to you know chance so chance that he won yeah. the election they won the election yeah so <laughs> i think you might have just won the debate just by knowing all, i didn't even think quadrillion was a real number <laughs> number absolutely and it, it's i only know that because i thought um i thought they made up a number yeah it's it's just because actually you know in computing you know and with processor speeds and you know, all these crazy numbers are starting to to sort of uh take to take shape and you know, you know as of you know right now people are using terabytes um and soon you know the next thing we're gonna be measuring um storage in terms of petabytes and you know and there's like this whole really interesting oh. naming system after that so i kind of went down a rabbit hole you know earlier this year just about like numbering systems well you won the debate because I like didn't know it. I, I was going to say that this wasn't a number. <laughs> so that was it. So you obviously won uh, this part of the debate. The one thing that I will say is I tweeted back to one of these morons and said, I will bet you my quadrillion amount of money and everything I own and everything about me that you're wrong. And I haven't gotten a response yet. Dude. But I was because they were guaranteeing one the qua- that there's no there's a one quadrillion chance that he won. So I said, take me up on it. Dude, then they, they should go. start flooding but Vegas. They, they should start putting prop bets. So one quadrillion. Yeah. So, well, good job in the debates. Thank you. And that leads us, I think, directly to, to a topic that's very important to me. The topic is Sean Lennon. For those who don't know who Sean Lennon is, you can probably guess that he is the son of John Lennon. Uh, John Lennon, it was just the 40th anniversary of his death, which is crazy. Excuse me, which is crazy. Now, the reason I bring up hopelessness in Sean Lennon is because I, I've, I've met him before back when I lived in the Lower East Side in New York because he used to go to the same music spot as I did called Piano Bar. And... uh remember fist bumping him thinking like I was so cool. Um, I wasn't by the way, just so you know, you're always cool. in Uh, my book, dude. Oh, thanks. Well, to Sean Lennon, I don't know if I was, but (laughs) you know what? Like interacting with him back then hearing, he just interviewed Paul McCartney, um, on Sirius radio 
in like because of his dad, the 40th anniversary of his father's death. He was only five when his dad died. So he learns a lot about his dad from like Paul McCartney and things like that. So it was a fascinating Your interview. friend, Paul McCartney. Oh, right. For- he texted me too. His album comes yeah. out in a week. Uh, McCartney 3, um, which is probably going to be good because he's good at everything. And then, but Sean Lennon, back to this. So I've always wanted to hate Sean Lennon. I saw him in concert a few years ago too. It was him and Les Claypool of Primus did the Lennon Claypool. uh, It was called Lennon Claypool Delirium. Really good concert. They were really good together. Sean Lennon's really talented. He's talented at piano bar, just jamming with people up at the top room. And then he was talented then. He also was so humble interviewing Paul McCartney. And he also like has been... He's done so much crazy shit that you'd expect out of John Lennon's son. He's produced many albums. Like most recently, he produced Lana Del Rey's new album. He's also had many albums. He had really? a band called The Ghosts. Yeah, The Ghosts. Um, shit, what were they called? Um, the Ghost something. Go The Ghost of the Sabertooth Tiger because they played like Coachella when I went one year. So... And he's so he's done a lot of producing, a lot of um, just jamming. And he's on the in the interview, he was so sincere. He looks a lot like his dad. My hopelessness is people like him. I really want to hate because everything's just been handed to them. Like talk about a life of. I think John John Lennon makes the most money of any dead artist. He makes something like fifty or sixty million dollars a year, and he's dead. So. It's like you want to hate him so bad because it's just he's had everything, but I don't. It's and it, it frustrates me. So here, so yeah, give me I hope. mean, this is a really interesting topic, Aaron. It's a really interesting sort of. I think it's actually a very aware observation that even you want, you know, like that that we often kind of hate people that that are that you know are the sons of you know the celebs. You know, it's like because you first I think a lot of people's initial gut reaction is like, oh, there's the uh, you know that's um. God, what's the damn word? Nate, cut around this part. What's the word for when you get a job because of your family? Um, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people just think like, oh, nepotism. Oh, you know, he's you know he's gonna have a music career because his dad was John Lennon. And I think I actually I think that we can all look at this in a different way. This is a kid whose dad was murdered outside the front door of their apartment when he was five. This is a kid whose mom is almost universally reviled by music fans. <laughs> You know, whether fairly or unfairly, you know, like, you know, I don't think she broke up the Beatles. I think that was John just like, you know, like not like sticking to what, you know, uh, you know, I guess it's not sticking to his band or whatever. Um, it's, it was his choice. Oh, I do think that Yoko Ono's music is highly unlistenable, um, but <laughs> but people like it in clubs and stuff. It's yeah, there, there's a couple of remixes that like use her her vocals that are kind of okay in the right sort of, you know, mood. But um, so here you have a kid who's got this crazy mom who's not really loved by by pop culture. You've got his dad who was celebrated that he truly never got to know because he was murdered. And then you've got people. Then what you want to do is just maybe he does love music. And I think he does. You know, and, and so. And then nobody will appreciate you. It's almost like you are typecast into people want nothing except for you to be a failure because everything else that you do, you're going to be seen as, you know, because you got it because your dad's one of the greatest, you know, modern musicians of all time, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that's, that is hard. And he never asked for any of it. 
And I don't think that money makes people immune to human emotion. You know, I think that, you know, when, when, whenever people say, Oh, who cares? That guy's rich. It's like into a degree. Sure. I get it. But like, it doesn't mean heartbreak doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean he doesn't have his own anxieties and isn't like confident about things or just feels like whatever, you know, that doesn't mean he's not, you know, in therapy that, you know, trying to solve, make his life better. Like there, I, I saw, I find it hard to hate him, but I feel that is the default because we just, nobody wants to just see someone succeed for them not doing anything themselves. Nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants a free pass to somebody who's already living in the lap of, of success just based on, you know, his dad. So I get where you're coming from and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think to make you feel better, I think John Lennon's son, Sean, might have it worse than many people we know personally who are not famous. That's actually a good, and and he's also been famous his whole life. That's another thing. It's yeah. like he's been famous by association his whole life and he looks like his dad. He dresses kind of like him. So it's just like, yeah, and he's a nice guy. Like he just seems like a genuinely good dude. So you're right. And also, I guess the thing I've learned in COVID, which you made me realize now, is that everyone has shit. Yeah. And everyone's dealing with stuff. And there's times when everyone has to deal with stuff at once in their own ways. And um, listening, to, I do recommend everyone listen, go online or whatever, listen to him interviewing McCartney because it is fascinating. He really does want to learn about his ancestry, his dad and what his dad was like. So you're right. It's like everyone has stuff. Being John Lennon's son seems amazing and he's gotten to do all kinds of cool things. It also is uh, like you know you'll never live up to what, and he's done a lot. He's accomplished a ton of stuff and he'll never live up to what his dad did. And he shouldn't ever. have to. Not even close. Yeah, and he shouldn't have to. And he shouldn't have to. And, you know, in the same way that Kiefer became his old man after Donald Sutherland, you know, started his career, you know, I think there's like lots of father-son combos that, you know, have, uh, you know, or mother-daughter or whatever, you know. So I think that hopefully Sean can continue to build his own path while also learning about the dad that he never got to really be around. Um, so I hope I hope that's for him, you know. And we'll always remember that even sometimes the people that look like they have it best really don't. We just look at Robin Williams. We look at all these people that, you know, money and fame cannot solve sadness and longing and missing people of your family. So hopefully uh, hopefully people, uh, you know, hopefully Sean can discover his own path and continue to do that because it sounds like he's done a lot of great things. So, so thanks. I feel hope. We'll hope gong that. And uh, all right. Well, speaking of celebrities and famous people like Sean Lennon, uh, we're going to go into Hopeless TV, which is all about that stuff. Hopeless TV is where we find uh, hopelessness in television. So I found it. I'll bring up something I found hopelessness in just from the trailer. Uh, there's a movie, the first COVID movie called Songbird, produced by Michael Bay. The trailer came out. I had you watch it yep, because I wanted to make sure you knew what we were talking about, but we haven't talked about the trailer and I watched this trailer and immediately felt hopeless because I thought the trailer was like, Oh my gosh. The first COVID movie one. I don't want to watch any COVID movie. <laughs> like we're living COVID. I don't want to watch anything COVID related. 
at all, period. And then I really don't want to watch any COVID-related movie with Michael Bay associated with it. That guy is the worst. I worked for him once. And he is a terrible person. He was abusive. He was mean. He's a jerk. He doesn't care about actors or people. All he cares about is himself. He's just a piece of shit. I did get revenge on him. I'll tell that story another time. But uh, I... uh, should I tell it now? Yes, of course. Okay, so I got revenge on Michael Bay because a number of years later, I was filming an award show. I was doing all the interviews. And there were all kinds of famous people I was interviewing at it, including a bunch of directors. So there were three in particular I got to talk to. Um, John Favreau. Nice. Uh, or Favreau. Uh, really nice guy. J.J. Uh, Abrams. Mm-hmm. Great dude. And then Michael Bay. And when it was Michael Bay's turn for me to talk to him, I went, I said to him, you know, Michael, he's a, he was like ready to be interviewed. And I said, you know, Michael, we're good. I have enough footage already. Don't need you. And he looked at me like, huh? And I said, no, no dude, I'm, we're good. I've, I've interviewed. I've got a lot of stuff for the show. We don't really need you anymore. And he looked at me like, huh? And I totally embarrassed him. And then he just walked away. Wow. Dude, that is yeah, hardcore. That, I mean, shit. Were your producers mad at yeah, you or what? No, they didn't care because there were. I there were also. I won't get into all the names, but there were so many other celebrities in this show that Michael Bay was not needed. And I think I covered some good directors with the director of Iron Man and the director of uh, like a lot of things, J.J. Abrams of Star Wars and stuff. So. We didn't need another director and we definitely didn't need shitty Michael Bay. So I was good and it was it was fun revenge because he's a piece of shit. But back to the show, Songbird, or the movie. It's like such a Michael Bay COVID movie, the trailer, that it just was like, and it looks so stupid. And then I looked at reviews and they confirmed. So, because it's got like big digital set pieces, but then it's about like the insularness of being stuck at home in COVID. So I'm curious. Give me some hope. You watched the trailer too. When I watched the trailer, uh, I was like halfway through. I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna watch this." <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh no, I feel worse. <laughs> and it's like oh, it's God. funny. As soon as I saw Michael Bay, I'm like, "Oh, this means I could get kind of uh, you know, there might be some explosions or some shit." Um, but you know, to summarize the movie Songbird, you know, the way from what I took away in the trailer, it's like. It's it, it's if it's they said that there it's about I guess what ten years into the COVID vaccine everybody in the world is still sort of quarantined, um, and uh, I think it takes place in L.A. or what looks like L.A. Um, and uh, really there it, it's turned into this sort of like. Um, you know, like rat on your neighbors if they if you hear a cough type thing, and like there's like really brutal sort of like uh, you know like a brutal police state. Um, you know, it's very sort of, uh, I mean, is the epitome of dystopian um, cinema. And I think what interests me is this is the second COVID related sort of specific um, sort of program. I think I've seen, you know, that's like, like that was like whether it's a whole season. I'm not talking about little one off episodes of various shows, but like there's this one show that Ina was watching. And it was just like a really corny sort of family sitcom. And they're like, oh, look, they're all distance and mask and all this. It's like it was fucking stupid. Um, but this one, <laughs> I'm just I truly am interested. This is like 
like in what would happen if COVID actually gets worse. Because by the way, there was a new strain found in India uh, earlier this week um, that's new deadly. So now it might be the seventh strain of COVID. So it's another mutation. Um, so nice. So the uh, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So things might get that's way worse. And I thought they were getting better. So it's like, it's good to kind of have a blueprint and start the conversation. And it, and sure, this is just cinema. And, and I don't think that Michael Bay is necessarily the most um, sort of historically and scientifically accurate storyteller. Um, however, I'm interested because it starts a conversation. And it really it boils down to um, sort of a police state versus a personal responsibility. And I'm just curious to see what this, what story tells. Well... The only hope I get from all this hopeless... I mean, you with TV, like, with The Undoing, which was just like a shitty dream movie, <laughs> uh, or a dream show, like, it was basically, it was all just a dream at the end because none of it mattered what we watched, to this, to your reaction to Songbird, um, you're really making me feel hopeless about TV, so I'm going to let you watch this yep. movie, and then tell me what you think, because <clears throat> so that's your job, and then why don't you tell me, tell us your hopeless TV topic. Sure. Because I'm sure not getting hope from you lately with this stuff. <laughs> so my topic is actually, it's related to the TV because it's played on the TV uh, for the most part, but it, it, it's a game and I want to sort of, you know, maybe like wedge this into hopeless TV, but this is the game cyberpunk 2077 that came out this week. It's one of the most anticipated game launches in years. And you know, the game's actually been uh, in development, I believe since 2014. So it's six years in the making. Um, it's been delayed multiple times. And then, you know, when PS5 and Xbox One uh, Xbox One Series X was announced, um, they decided, okay, we're going to even delay it further to make it ready for the next-gen platforms. Um, so it's out, on the, it's out on, you know, current-gen and previous-gen platforms and on PC. Super anticipated. Pretty much it's Grand Theft Auto in the future um, where everybody's like, is like, you know, using like bionics to upgrade their bodies and just do crimes and shit. Um, and I been waiting a while for this game i think everybody has and i'm like just whelmed and it's like hmm. and i'm concerned i'm like did i just spend 70 dollars and all this anticipation is this game too complicated and is it boring um so i was just hoping that maybe we could talk about that and maybe were my expectations too high you know how do i stick with this because right now it is you know it is the the absolute game of the moment everybody's talking about it everybody's trying to play it um, but I don't want to lose. I don't want to stop playing. I don't want to give up too early, but help me. Mm. Uh, well, first, I think you said a word that probably will help. I have not played the game. I don't think I even can because I don't own the system. Uh, but you said the word high. So maybe you're not getting high enough to play it. <sighs> That could be a possibility, although I generally prefer to play all my games like straight, like, like focused. Um, so uh, maybe you're doing it wrong, uh, dude. It might be. Mike Tyson said he did his last fight. He was high as a kite and he kicked uh, Roy Jones Jr.'s ass. So maybe you need to, you know, start. Using some drugs. Yeah, maybe I'll, you know, I'll try it. Maybe see if that makes me enjoy it. But like, I think I have another, I'm going to give another four to six hours until I decide whether I give up on this game or not. Like I gave up on Red Dead Redemption 2. I gave up on um, uh, Fallout 4. 
um, around after about you know six to eight hours for each of those games because they were just boring. Um, so I'm hoping this is not another one of those. But I figured I'd share for all the listeners out there that are have started or are considering playing Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I've seen it's been trending, and uh, haven't played it, and now I'm glad. So thank you gave me hope. Thank you for giving me hope that I'm glad I never have played this game. <laughs> and Call of Duty. <laughs> haven't wasted all that time. And Call of Duty Cold War, which takes place obviously you know, in the Reagan era in the 80s. That, that game came out like three weeks earlier. I think is a much better game as it is. So if anybody is between those, just play Call of Duty until you get more reviews come in for about Cyberpunk. That would be my advice. Well, there you gave hope. You can play the other game instead. Yeah. And kill people. So speaking of Hopeless TV, it is now time for a quick, because we have to wrap up in a sec, mm-hmm. but it is time for a very quick hope in 60 seconds uh, before we wrap up the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So yesterday, Anne Frank has one, one memorial in the U.S. It's in Idaho. Idaho. And yeah, Idaho. And some people, some Nazis went up to it and put swastikas all over it. And everyone we've talked about on this show, everyone's saying, you know, can't wait for 2021. It's going to be so much better. Everything's going to be great. We just need to get out of 2020. This is the type of shit that makes me feel like we have been thrown into such a dark place as a country by the Trump administration emerging all these uh, terrible people to be able to be as terrible as they are, that something like defacing a child who was killed in the Holocaust after writing an amazing diary about her experiences, defacing that memorial with swastikas, I mean, the hatred toward Jews is, it made me feel really hopeless. Like, I mean, they're willing to go that low. So give me quick hope. Well, this is absolutely disgusting. What the hope I can get here and give you here is if there's only one Anne Frank statue in the U.S., how about we put up more Anne Frank statues? That's what replaces the memorial, the, the Confederate statues, right? What if we put up, Ooh. you know, Anne Frank statues in every city, right? And to show that this is, you know, like the fact that somebody would desecrate this, yes, you're right, the statue of this poor girl who was hiding in a fucking attic um, trying to not die um, for no reason other than her own religion. Um, so, like, I think that, you know what, maybe maybe this is the opportunity. More Anne Frank statues, more statues of heroes that, you know, you find you defaced one, we'll paint over it, but we're going to put up even more. And I think that we need to just sort of have her face. That That's who we need to have statues of. That's who we need to sort of, like, immortalize and so hopefully maybe this is a chance for 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 us to go okay fine if you you want to deface the one we're gonna pop hundreds get to all of them we dare you well you just gave me hope i love that idea let's do it combat hate with hope and more 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 hope that's all we can do and that's a way to win so let's do it yes i love it i love it so finally, our last thing is we have a fan mail submission. It's Carlton from L.A. who wrote, I love the name Carlton, who wrote, what do we do for the next few weeks for the holidays with nothing to do? This is usually a time for fun. 
And I think he means there's usually a time for fun, for celebration, for gathering with friends, for celebrating the holidays, for celebrating New Year's. We can't do anything. Like, everything is closed. Everything is shut. There's nothing to do. So, do you want to take it, Rohit? Yeah, what I think, should Carlton do? I think... I'm kind of wondering what to do, too. I mean, I think, I think that's really interesting. I think what we need to do is, like, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, maybe I think this is a way to get creative with how to do it together. You know, are there other ways to do secret Santas on Zoom? You know, are there ways to do, like... You know, like a, a, a Hanukkah dinner where everybody's just kind of like, you know, making their own latkes and kind of doing that stuff together. Like, I think that, you know, we are, we're, we're still separate, but I still think that there are things that we can do to kind of keep some of these traditions alive. And maybe they can be even made even better by the internet. Um, and, you know, like I said, if, if everybody was to like, to do a gift exchange to kind of like, you know, you could have a theme to it. It could be something that is like, okay, this is something that will then help us get us through the holidays. And, you know, I think that maybe there is something that um, can be done. It's like, take whatever traditions you had and make them better with the internet and make them better with zoom. Um, so maybe that's, that's my answer. I don't really have anything detailed yet, Carlton, but I think maybe next week I'll have more follow-ups for you. I'm going to give one other idea, break all the rules, do whatever you want, go crazy. Yeah, there. That's it. That's it. Just like break all the rules. Yeah, you might get in trouble. Yeah, you might get sick. I mean, you might get other people sick. Some people might die. Yeah, <laughs> burn it down. <laughs> I, I see. I see. Your, my co-host has gone down the nihilistic route for the holidays. <laughs> um, but yeah, Carlton, feel free to choose. No, don't, Carlton, advice. don't do anything I just said. <laughs> don't do anything I just said. I was just joking. Do not do that. That was a joke. Don't do it. Don't do any of that. Except but, maybe one thing. Like but you know one. what? But I think that what we're going to do uh, is Aaron and I, we're, we're going to put our heads to this and maybe we'll offer some suggestions um, next week on, on that episode that uh, everyone yes. can find a way to, you know, like not be bored, but also not feel like alone during this holiday season. So we'll think of some stuff. But thanks for the question, Carlton. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for you, Carlton. And until next week, I'm Aaron Wolf. The Aaron Wolf on social media. He's Vohit for Rohit, the number four. We want all your suggestions, comments, thoughts, and uh, things that you feel hopeless about. And uh, stay safe out there in this crazy world. And, you know, listen to us only some of the time. Yes. In like, terms of actually what we preach. Like one in, uh, you know, one in a quadrillion amount of times is when you should probably listen to us. So yeah, exactly. And and there's a reason we forgot to do a theme of the week this week. It's because we forgot to do a theme yes. of the week this week. I believe the theme of the week is a quadrillion. Um, a quadrillion. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you in a quadrillion days until next time. Until next time. I'll talk to you later, Aaron. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. Hope is so, with Aaron and Rose.